0: This podcast sponsored by Cherry Hill Volvo. A
1: Cherry Hill Volvo and XC40 can be leased for as low as $459. And an XC90 leased for as low as $629. The Cherry Hill Volvo offers are very aggressive. Spring into Cherry Hill Volvo for incredibly fabulous offers.
2: His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hiya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. <laughs> But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed.
3: PenFed's got great rates for everyone.
2: Politics, culture, chaos. It's
0: time to make sense of it all. It's time to have a little fun. This is your afternoon dose of sanity. This is the Rich Zioli Podcast.
1: Well, Secretary Blinken is in the hot seat today, uh, trying to uh, explain and and blame. A lot of blaming today. A lot of blaming on the Trump administration, I can tell you that. A lot of blaming, but a lot of trust in the Taliban, too. It's very, very odd. Good afternoon. How's your day going today, all right? This is why I do this afternoon podcast because news breaks in the afternoon and there is so much breaking around the Secretary of State. You know what I can't understand about this guy? I mean, first of all, he's in DC and he's in front of the Congressional Committee uh, on Zoom or whatever the virtual service is. I don't know if it's Zoom or what, but he's doing this virtually. So he's in DC and he's still doing it virtually. I guess he couldn't walk down the street and, and be in person. That's just very odd. The whole thing is odd. Uh, let me give you some updates on, on what so far has transpired. The Secretary said there's no evidence that staying longer would have made the Afghan security forces or the Afghan government any more resilient or self-sustaining. Fair enough. That's a fair point. But would we've gotten all of our people out is the question. Because we're still talking about Americans being on the ground in Afghanistan now. And also, too, if we had stayed at least with the military there and gotten everybody out, would the military occupation of Kabul until everybody was out of Afghanistan might have slowed, possibly, the Taliban takeover is one of the questions. Uh, One of the other questions that that was asked today has to do with the fact of why the Taliban doesn't have any women in the cabinet. I would just like to remind everybody that if they do bring any women to the cabinet, they're most likely going to bring terrorists Just want to point that out. All right. It's a very important point. Uh, Secretary of State Blinken doubled down on claiming that Biden planned for a chaotic withdrawal of uh, Afghanistan. In April, if you remember, Biden promised to withdraw reasonably, responsibly, deliberately and safely. But now Biden's saying, look, there was no other way but chaos, Uh, just chaos. It's all it's always going to be just chaos. Representative Chris Smith of New Jersey was asking the question of, of what was the process of vetting the Afghan evacuees, especially in light of the fact that reliable information on some or perhaps many that got parole uh, wasn't available to conduct a meaningful background check. Are you concerned that the Taliban may have embedded its own members as evacuees? Very good question. Smith points out uh, that his district, which is Joint Base Dix-McGuire-Lakehurst, he said, uh, I was very concerned about this possibility, the lack of vetting thereof, and the fact that about 70% of the people at our base, it's going to be about 13,000, they're told that they're free to leave. But I don't know if they're free to return. He's making the point of free to leave. Isn't that something? and uh, he points out one of the uh, profoundly negative consequences out, outside of afghanistan has been china and of course uh, taiwan and he brings up that as well how the state controlled chinese communist party continuing to oppress and saturate the taiwanese with messages to give up and surrender now that the united states has left uh, afghanistan in such a chaotic manner so those are some of the issues being discussed today in front of the uh, the, the committee with the secretary The question, of course, of all these refugees and if the Taliban could have snuck in there, of course. I mean, why not? There's no vetting. How would they have known who was or who wasn't? It was all so chaotic getting out of there. And I'm not going to I'm not going to say for sure what happened, but I I have my suspicions, don't you? I think we all do. What a disaster this is. Oh, I should also make a mention to you today that the uh, Democrats in the House have officially proposed A 26.5% corporate tax rate increase. That's right. House Democrats are going to raise the, well, not increase, but raise the corporate tax rate to 26.5% as a way to help pay for their $3.5 trillion social spending plan. A 26.5% corporate tax rate, which would be higher than the current rate of 21%, but lower than Biden's proposed rate of 28%. I mean, 28%, 26.5%. All I know is this, when you start raising the corporate tax rate, the ramifications that that comes with are certainly going to be, uh, I mean, it's jobs. Well, we're talking about jobs, but it doesn't matter because the Democrats love to pick on corporations. You know, corporations are the bad guys. They're not paying their fair share. Bernie Sanders, not paying their fair share. Yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. Got to hammer the corporations. They, because they, they act like the, these corporations are evil. They still really do believe that they're evil. It's amazing to me how they still, at this point, want to wage war against corporate America. But, hey, you know, doing it at a time now where the economy might be slowing down even more and uh, doing it at a time right now when companies are more than happy to leave again, park their money off-seas, off overseas. Sure, if you want to you want to go down that road as you're looking towards midterm elections next year, I mean, knock yourselves out. But one thing we realized when they cut the corporate tax rate, when Trump did, was that uh, – the companies invested their money here again and they hired people again. And it was a big home run for everybody. They brought money that was parked overseas back to the United States of America. Uh, Blinken answering uh, Congressman Christmas question about vetting the refugees and saying that uh, when they get to the United States uh, first at a military base, like, like Fort Dix, for example, those checks are continued using all of law enforcement. So he says they're checked before they get on the plane they're checked when they get to the military base to make sure we're not letting anyone into the country that could pose a threat or a risk. Uh-huh. Okay. I, I mean, do you trust them that they're going to do the, a great job in this? Because my, the, the big point that I would raise in all this is that considering that how you left was such an unmitigated disaster and was such a rush to get out of there before more terror attacks happen, it seems to me, like when you say that everybody's going to be properly vetted, I, I, would, I would doubt that tremendously if it's me if it's me again i'm a very suspicious kind of a guy when it comes to these kind of bs nonsense things uh so how many people are left in afghanistan well this is what the secretary said today regarding the number of people and
4: what is our plan to facilitate the evacuation now
0: yes thank you mr chairman um so as of the end of last week uh we had about 100 American citizens in Afghanistan who had told us that they wished to leave the country. And I want to emphasize that this is a snapshot in time. Um, It's a – it's more accurately uh, a moving picture, as you know, stepping back for a minute – to know precisely at any given moment in time exactly how many American citizens are in any country uh, is something we can't uh, and don't know.
1: Is something we can't and don't know. By the way, Congressman Albio, uh, series of New Jersey is broadcasting. He's doing his, his, his congressional testimony from his closet, live from his closet. I kid you not. And this guy doing this from his closet is about the jerseyest thing you're gonna see all day today. I mean, truly. This guy's in his closet doing a Zoom meeting. You see all his shirts hung up behind him and his, his undies and his socks, and, and it's like his shoe boxes. Uh, The dude's in his closet. I mean, you can't like put a fake backdrop up. I don't know. I got to tweet something out about this here. Let's see. This New Jersey congressman, live from his closet, (laughs) is about the jerseyist thing you'll see all day. I'm going to tweet that out here. It's about the, let's see, jerseyist thing you'll see. Is jerseyist even a word? I think so. Jerseyist thing you'll see all day today. He's in his closet. And I mean, like, I don't know, like socks and underwear and stuff. Can't can't you just, I don't know, maybe I don't know, pre- clean it up a little bit? Maybe go in the bedroom. What, also, he doesn't have young kids. What what is he? What is he hanging out for in the in the closet? I don't really understand these people. But it's my state, so of course, I guess I got to own it. I guess I don't know. Uh, all right, so uh, here's what just amazing to me uh here's what else i can tell you a few things today that are going on uh with regards to the secretary of state's uh testimony they we have big expectations for the taliban by the way big expectations this is what the secretary of state slash mortuary director tony blinken had to say regarding what the expectations are are on the taliban
0: we initiated a statement joined by more than half the world's countries over 100 countries as well as the United Nations Security Council resolution setting out the international community's expectations of a Taliban-led government. We expect the Taliban to ensure freedom of travel, to make good on its commitments on counterterrorism, to uphold the basic rights of the Afghan people, including women, girls, and minorities, to name a broadly representative permanent government to force favor reprisals. The legitimacy and support that the Taliban seeks from the international community will depend on its conduct.
1: Uh-huh. So the Taliban wants to impress the world and to make sure that they uphold the basic rights of the Afghan people, including women, girls, and minorities. Remember that. We expect the Taliban to do this. We expect the Taliban to do this. And what if, if, if the Taliban doesn't do it, what, what is the world going to do, is my question. What is the world going to do? Nothing. And the Taliban knows that. So they're not afraid of this. We've been through this a million times now. They're still saying this over and over and over again. I got to hand it to Representative Mike McCall from Texas. He blasted the Biden administration today. Oh, He let him have it, calling it an unmitigated disaster for Afghanistan. Betrayal. He called it a betrayal. I mean, it was great. He hammered him today. It was fantastic. I I loved hearing it because it was so refreshing to hear a Republican actually fight the Biden administration for once. You know what I mean? Like it was really refreshing that Republicans did weren't just fighting each other and weren't just fighting I don't know Trump and Trump people. They were actually fighting uh, the Biden administration. It was really glorious to see. Very impressive to see them do that. And I say good good luck here. Take a listen here.
3: Agreeing to stay until every member has been heard. I believe every member has a right to ask questions on such an important topic. Over the last several weeks, we witnessed Afghanistan rapidly fall to the Taliban and the chaotic aftermath that followed. This did not have to happen, but the President refused to listen to his own generals and the intelligence community, who warned him precisely what would happen when we withdrew. This was an unmitigated disaster Boom. Of, of epic proportions. Absolutely I it was. I never thought in my lifetime that I would see an unconditional surrender to the Taliban.
1: Yeah, good for him. For
3: weeks, good. our offices were flooded with requests to help people get out of Afghanistan. Requests that were coming to us because the State Department failed to provide help. And then the unimaginable happened on August 26th. 13 American servicemen and women were brutally murdered by ISIS-K, trying to help American citizens and our Afghan partners escape from the Taliban. Two days ago, we commemorated the 20th anniversary of 9-11. And while we mourn the loss of almost 3,000 innocent people, the Taliban at the same time celebrated by raising their flag over the presidential palace days before they emblazoned their flag on the wall of our United States embassy, proclaiming the defeat of the United States of America.
1: Shameful, right? Shameful.
3: Shockingly, the White House has described this Taliban regime as businesslike and professional. So let's meet a few of these professionals, the so-called... New and improved Taliban.
1: Let me, let me just pause it for a second here. Every day I try to do the podcast and bring you the breaking news of the day. And uh, what I noticed, especially lately, is uh, there's two different worlds happening with re- regards to how we are recognizing the Taliban. The first is this, we're pretending like the Taliban are a bunch of civilized people that the same people that weren't, that were in charge in 2000 and 2001 are, are gone, right? They're gone. And this is a new group of Taliban that's in. New and improved, refreshing, new, kinder, gentler, woke, diverse, whatever you want to call it. And then the other track, which is the reality track, which is that it's the same old Taliban. It, they don't change. There are certain groups in the world that just don't change, and the Taliban's being one of them. They're, they're not looking for the world's approval. They're looking for the world to convert to Islam, They don't want your approval. They don't want the approval of infidels. If they did, they would have turned over al-Qaeda to the United States of America, and we wouldn't have even had to go into Afghanistan in the first place. Remember, we went into Afghanistan because al-Qaeda would not, the Taliban would not turn them over to us. President Bush warned them. He said, you need to turn them over, and they wouldn't. So... The same people that were in charge then are in charge now. And I mentioned on the show this morning, I watched a great movie over the weekend. I'd seen it before, but I rewatched it again. And the movie is called The Path to 9-11. It was only showed one time on ABC. And then uh, the Clintons did their thing and they got all the Democrats to write a letter and, because it makes Clinton look really bad. And it should. because Bill Clinton had opportunities to get bin Laden and he blew it because of other activities going on in the White House at the time that distracted him. And he had several opportunities to get bin Laden. They did not. They also had opportunities to align themselves with the Northern Alliance and and have an ally who was going to fight the Taliban and get bin Laden. And they blew that, too. And this movie is great. And it's another reminder, too, that ABC, Disney, China will definitely do with the Democrats' bidding. Democrats sent them a letter saying, if you air this movie one more time... We are going to take away your license to broadcast because Democrats love censorship. And so anytime there's a movie out, even though it's a fictionalized account, they don't like the content. They threaten what they always do. Take away your broadcast license. We'll censor you. And ABC backed down. It's not like ABC is going to make a brave fight for the freedom of speech and tell these members of the Senate to go scratch. I got to do that. Bob Iger was the head of Disney at the time. I'm sure he's buddies with the Clintons all hanging out together at the Hamptons, wherever. So the movie ran once, but you can find it. You just have to do a little digging, and it's great. But one thing that was made very clear in, in, in watching this again was the fact that the Taliban was harboring bin Laden then and harboring al-Qaeda then in the lead-up to 9-11, and the same people that were there then are back. This is uh, Mike McCall going through some of the who's who Of the Taliban today
3: the acting prime minister Mullah Hassan Akun one of the Taliban's founding leaders he is also sanctioned by the United Nations and sheltered Osama bin Laden for years the infamous members of the Taliban five released from Guantanamo under the Obama administration also all hold senior positions in the new government. And finally, the worst, Acting Interior Minister Haqqani. He is responsible for overseeing policing and counterterrorism. He's also wanted by the FBI. He is the head of the brutal Haqqani network with close ties to al Qaeda and is currently sanctioned by the United States. Most of the new and improved Taliban leaders hold the same or similar positions they held prior to 9/11. But what are the women? And are there women? At the mercy of the Taliban's reign of terror. All while a dark veil of Sharia law covers Afghanistan. What about the, the diversity initiative? for African LGBTQ. Have been stripped away in a matter of weeks. This, in my judgment, is not only disgraceful. It also dishonors the men and women Who served our nation so bravely?
1: Yeah, but you know what? The thing about it is that uh, Democrats don't really care about that at this point. They they don't. At this point, they're about protecting Joe Biden. They know how bad this is going to be for them, politically speaking. See, let's be honest here. Biden is is the walking dead in so many different ways. (laughs) No doubt. (coughs) Excuse me. What's wrong with me today? Allergies are brutal, aren't they? Uh, So... Oh, by the way, Batman wants you to get the vaccine. I don't know if you saw this or not. Batman just tweeted out, it's us versus the virus. Join the team and get your vaccine. Visit vaccines.gov for more information. See see what happened when Ben Affleck became Batman? You see what happened? They started using him to be a shill for the government. Warner Media, thank you for keeping Gotham and everyone else safe. I mean, look, I'm all about the vaccines, but Batman's not real. Although I identify as him. I'm just saying, I do, I do identify as Batman. Anyway, so, uh, so, so the Democrats know how bad this is for them. This goes down ballot. This is going to kill them. And all they care about at this point was, is just trying to protect Biden because they feel as if, and they know that if Biden goes down, they go down too. And so at this point, it's all about spin and trying to blame the Trump administration. Uh, oh, the Trump administration's terrible. Come on, you know they they made this deal with the Taliban. Now it's important to note that Blinken began today by acknowledging that the Taliban broke the very deal that they made. So Eli Lake over at Bloomberg tweeting out, in his opening remarks today, Secretary Blinken acknowledged that the Taliban violated their commitments in the Trump surrender agreement. Then he goes on to note that the Taliban have pledged not to host al-Qaeda. Then he says, we intend to hold them accountable. So, interesting enough, acknowledging that the Taliban broke the commitment they made with the Trump administration, yet... Democrats are still blaming Trump for making any sort of agreement with the Taliban. At the same time, they're making an agreement with the Taliban. So you gotta, you gotta, to follow that line of logic, you need to completely distance yourself from any sort of rational, common sense reasoning. Really, truly. Uh,. I was thinking about this, too. In the opening statement today, Representative Gregory Meeks repeated the suspect uh, repeats the suspect administration line that he had no choice. Biden had no choice but to either withdraw troops or stay there forever, forever and ever. Either we leave in absolute defeat and disaster or we stay till the end of time. Till every till the, literally the last man on Earth is in Afghanistan holding a gun, pointed at the Taliban. That's the only choice. Leave in a cluster where we're running away and going, please, Taliban, please be nice to our people. Or we stay until the last man on Earth in some sort of post-apocalyptic zombie movie is a dude in Afghanistan in a lawn chair. Waiting for the Taliban to attack. No, there's another middle ground here, which is you get everybody out safely. You keep a small group in there to oversee an orderly transition between the new Afghan government and, and the Taliban. And you you certainly get everybody out as a civilian. You make sure the Taliban doesn't have our stuff. Like there's other ways to do this. And General Miley. Mark Milley, Milley, excuse me. They love Milley now. They love Milley because he won against Trump. So they love Milley. And uh, Secretary Austin prepared the president with that other option. You sustain a small footprint, not forever, but a short period of time for a transition period. But they decided that they weren't going to do that either. So there's still Americans in Afghanistan. We still have right now a situation where we're still pretending like the Taliban can be reasoned with. And uh, we're, now we're still blaming Trump. So there, there you go. That's what we're doing. This is what Blinken said on June 7th. Ready? This is what he said on June 7th.
0: I don't think that uh, the fact that our forces are, are withdrawing, one, we're not withdrawing. We're staying. Uh, the embassy is staying. Our programs are staying. We're working to make sure that other partners stay. We're building all of that up. And uh, whatever happens in Afghanistan, if there is a significant deterioration uh, in security, um, that could well happen. We have discussed this uh, before. Um, I don't think it's going to be something that happens from a Friday to a Monday.
1: What? what? A Friday to a Monday. So that was blinking then. And of course, blinking today, there was no other way I could leave. It was going to be a disaster either way. It was going to be absolute chaos. Nothing I could do about it. It was just going to be this way.
0: Nonetheless, we planned and exercised a wide range of contingencies. Because of that plan, We were able to draw down our embassy and move our remaining personnel to the airport within 48 hours, and the military, placed on standby by President Biden, was able to secure the airport and start the evacuation within 72 hours. The evacuation itself was an extraordinary effort, under the most difficult
1: conditions imaginable. Totally the opposite of what he said back then, right? Also pointing out the fact that <clears throat> uh, we were going to keep our embassy open, and we're not. We we didn't do that. We we drew that down too. So he's all over the place. He's all over the place, Blinken. But at the same time, we're, we expect now the Taliban to honor their commitments. That's why a lot of people just cannot take these people seriously, because we're we're supposed to trust the Taliban at the very same time. Everything that they planned in Afghanistan went to hell because of how they did it and because of how quickly the Taliban got into power. So I'm just pointing out to you, and I want you to know exactly what's going on today because we got to do the very important thing.
0: Of... Let's cut through the BS. This is the Rich Zeoli
1: Podcast. Let's see. Melania Trump's office attacks former top aide Stephanie Grisham. Failed personal relationships and unprofessional behavior. Oof. The office of former First Lady Melania Trump released a statement blasting her former chief of staff over a new tell-all book. This is from Mediaite. Grisham served as chief of staff and press secretary for the former First Lady before serving as White House press secretary for President Trump. And uh, I remember meeting her when I was in the Oval Office. She's a very nice person. Her book is called I'll Take Your Questions Now, What I Saw in the Trump White House, which includes her account of various different things. And uh, so now she's getting blasted by Melania Trump's office. They say the intent behind this book is obvious. In an attempt to redeem herself after a poor performance as press secretary, failed personal relationships, and unprofessional behavior in the White House, through mistruth and betrayal, she seeks to gain relevance and money at the expense, expense of Mrs. Trump. Failed personal relationships apparently refers to a reference to Grisham's past relationship with former Trump aide Max Miller. I do love the gossip and, and these tell all books are, are, are fascinating to me. I, I I don't know. I mean, I understand everybody wants to make money, but I guess I'm old school. Just if you just shut up and do something else, I don't know, get a tell all book. It's just like a short payday to me. And then you wind up betraying confidences and people do this all the time in politics. They really do. They do this all the time. I think it's like their meal ticket. I'm not going to begrudge anybody for making money, but I am going to begrudge people for selling out and betraying the trust of the people that they were serving. And you might go, well, the American people deserve to know the truth. Yeah, but I mean, uh, yes, I, I, I do agree with that point. But a lot of this stuff that winds up becoming in these books is usually gossip and innuendo, honestly, it truly is. It's really just a kind of uh, gossip and innuendo and that sort of thing. Uh, one thing that I want to mention today is uh, this guy... <clears throat> Uh, President Biden, who is now going on with a vaccine mandate, the Biden administration promised they would never do a vaccine mandate. You remember this, right? Uh, They would never do a vaccine mandate. I am of the opinion that one of the things about a vaccine mandate that is incredibly, incredibly uh, difficult is that if you go down the road of vaccine mandates, you inevitably acknowledge that you could not motivate people by your own leadership. And that is something that Biden needs to own because he was going to be the guy that solved this problem for us. Remember, he, saved, he was going to save America from COVID and that has not happened. So now Biden's got to do this, this vaccine mandate, which is never going to hold up in court. Never, never going to hold up in court. But he's going to do it anyway because the reality of the situation is that he cannot convince enough Americans to do everything he wants, except that He can. Because we've almost achieved herd immunity in this country. But then to acknowledge herd immunity would be to acknowledge that they have to give up all the reins of power and control on everybody. So what inevitably happens is a vicious cycle here of utter chaos in D.C. But don't worry, because the way I look at it is the American people see through this. And there was a poll today I saw that said the American people overwhelmingly support a vaccine mandate. I don't agree with that. I think the American people overwhelmingly support freedom freedom to make their own choices even if they're vaccinated they still want the freedom to make their own choices nobody likes mandates nobody likes to be told what to do nobody we don't like it and we're not going to go with it oh they tried to cut his feed today again this always happens with biden you notice that they they whenever the press starts to ask a question and he's doing one of these virtual events they wind up he winds up they cut his feed i love this take take a listen to this today
3: can i ask you a question one of the things that uh, I've been working on with some others. Yep. Is...
1: and they go, Thank you for joining. President Biden receives a briefing from Federal and State Fire Agency officials. They cut the man. They cut him. They, they didn't even play the orchestra music, you know? And I think that was kind of rude. At least play the orchestra music if you're going to just cut the president of the United States off. They just shut him down. They just cut him off he was, I guess he was going on a tangent. You know, somebody back in the control room was like, Zip, zap, 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 zap. shut it, shut it, shut it. We don't know where he's going here. He's off script. He's off script. Shut it down. And then they just psh, fade to blue. Not black. They fade to blue. It says, thank you for visiting the White House or something like that. And that's what they wind up doing. Uh, Biden, I'll tell you what. Every day, the gift that keeps on giving. But the good news is if you're worried about his vaccination mandate, it's not going to hold up in court. And it's not going to hold up in court because the, re- the reality of the situation is that he doesn't have the power to do this. Uh, there is no grave danger, and that's the standard that's going to be used by OSHA. He can't do it. Oh, Secretary Blinken today said, uh, we faced a choice between ending the war, escalating it because of Trump. Again, the same false choice, the same lie, still going with that and still blaming Trump and everything like that. As part of the agreement, he said, the previous administration pressed the Afghan government to release 5,000 Taliban prisoners, including some top war commanders. Meanwhile, it reduced our own troop presence to 2,500 troops. In response, the Taliban agreed to stop attacking U.S. and partner forces and to refrain from threatening Afghanistan's major cities. But the Taliban continued a relentless march on remote outposts, on checkpoints, on villages, on districts, as well as the major roads connecting them. That's the part where he acknowledges the Taliban broke their promise. Broke their pledge. So you see what happens? He's acknowledging that the Taliban violated the agreement they made with the Trump administration. So my question then is, why didn't you guys readjust? Why didn't you readjust? He says by January 2021, the Taliban was in the strongest military position it had been since 9-11. And we have the smallest number of troops on the ground since 2001. As a result, President Biden immediately faced a choice between ending the war, escalating it. But again, this is another lie, right? Because the original deadline was May 1st. But he actually extended the deadline to September 11th and then back down to August 31st. But you see the lie? The lie is that we we had no choice. Talbenga got so strong, we had to leave by May 1st, except August. The continuing spin from this administration, every single day, it continues to go on. Every single day.
0: Smart funny podcast this is the rich zioli podcast
1: so remember i told you last week that biden wanted to change the conversation away from afghanistan before the 20th anniversary of september 11th and i I promised i said he's going to announce something that is incredibly incredibly divisive culturally divisive no doubt he's going to do this because he wants us to fight with each other he wants us to fight on social media everybody's fighting now about vaccine mandates Guess what? The vaccine mandate is never going to hold up in court. This is a a fake argument again. If you're engaging in an argument about vaccine mandates, you're engaging in a fake argument, because on the federal level, it's never going to hold up in court. Not this way, anyway. But remember all the times Democrats said they would not impose a vaccine mandate? We
5: cannot require someone to be vaccinated. That's just not what we can do. Needless to say, the right of women to make... Decisions about their own bodies is not negotiable.
4: No, definitely not. You don't want to mandate and try and force anyone Fauci. to take a vaccine. We've never done that.
5: Our interest is very simple, from the federal government, which is Americans' privacy and rights should be protected.
1: It is a matter of privacy to know who is or who isn't. We don't want to be mandating from the federal government
0: to the general population. It would be unenforceable and not appropriate.
5: Perhaps the federal government should step in and issue mandates. And if not, are you putting the needs of unvaccinated people ahead of the needs of vaccinated people? Well, I think the question here,
3: one, that's not the role of the federal government. No, I don't think it should be mandatory. I wouldn't demand to be mandatory. First, we must increase vaccinations among the unvaccinated with new vaccination requirements.
1: I was from uh, Gravy and put that together. Do you you realize that the whole uh, logic here uh, behind uh, we have to protect the vaccinated from the unvaccinated? Absolutely. then makes people think the vaccines are not significant. The, The vaccines don't work. You realize that, right? That when anybody comes out and says, for example, today, Kamala Harris tweeting out the following. Ready? By vaccinating the unvaccinated, increasing our testing and masking and protecting the vaccinated, we can end this pandemic. That's exactly what we are committed to doing. Protecting the vaccinated. See, this is why people don't trust them or the vaccines, because now we're saying that we have to protect the vaccinated from the unvaccinated by mandating vaccines. I'm vaccinated. I am not worried in the least bit about an unvaccinated person around me. Not in the least. But if that's their argument that I've got to be protected by mandating that you get a vaccine if you're not vaccinated, I, no, I'm not going to go with that. No. If you want to get a vaccine to protect yourself, go with it. But please. By all means, do that if you want to. If your doctor thinks it's okay and if you think it's okay. But no way am I going to say the government should mandate you get one because I'm worried about my own safety and health. That's why, it's literally why I chose to get vaccinated. It's why I made that decision. So that I would be protected. I don't need them mandating anything to protect me. I made a choice as an adult and it's a good choice that I made, in my opinion. Oh, and also too, by the way, we have millions and millions and millions and millions and hundreds of millions of shots have been administered in this country. Oh, you know what I love too, by the way? Uh, this recall in California, Governor Gavin Newsom. This guy is such an elitist, isn't he? Now, do you remember that time that he went to the French Laundry? You remember that time? He had dinner there with his friends at the French Laundry restaurant. Well, CBS this morning actually pointed that out as they were discussing Gavin Newsom. Is they, because the, the, the media loves Gavin Newsom. They think he's handsome. He's got nice hair. He's very debonair. So they haven't talked about any of that stuff with him. In fact, they've all been bashing Larry Elder, who's running against him. Larry's a great guy. They've been bashing him left and right, even though he'd be the first black American to be governor of California, and the media usually loves that kind of stuff. Nope, not this time around. They just hate him. Over at Good Morning America, according to Newsbusters, Good Morning America reporter Matt Gutman never mentioned what started the recall to Gavin Newsom. He said over the summer, the threat of the recall seemed real because that's what polls showed. And so the Democrats have been spending big ads on him and calling in the Calvary. But uh, on this morning, CBS, they actually brought up what was going on. Now, take a listen to this here I'm to play this for you a little bit here. This is the various. Uh, interpretations of how they're reporting on California Governor Gavin Newsom. Ready? This is Good Morning America. Here. Hey, TJ.
4: Good morning. At first, this recall seemed like a sideshow. Indeed, there are forty-six candidates vying for Newsom's job, including one who has been campaigning alongside a real.
1: By the way, why does it make it a sideshow? Forty-six people want to become governor of California and 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 take on Gavin Newsom. I thought that's democracy in action. Why is that a sideshow? No, really. Why is it a sideshow? Now he's going to point out the one person who's a clown. Go ahead kodiak
4: bear but over the summer the threat seemed so a dude's
1: campaigning that- with a bear i can think of worse things like campaigning with a bat an old bat like the speaker of the house of representatives for example just saying what's wrong you can campa- with a bear bears are fun They're good mascots the polls showed and so the
4: democrats have been spending big on ads and calling in the cavalry the cavalry this morning, California Governor Gavin Newsom making the case that Tuesday's recall election
2: isn't just doing.
1: All right, so that's Good Morning America. Let's see the uh, the take from. Uh- from CBS this morning and see if they do a little bit better here. And
2: one of the reasons this qualified, you need 1.5 million signatures in California to do that is because Republican backers of the recall got extra time to collect signatures. Why? Because of COVID lockdown restrictions. One of the few times that those restrictions pleased Republicans. A judge said, actually, it's hard to do that when you can't knock on doors or meet people face to face. And in that intervening period of time, Governor Newsom went to what is now in California probably one of the most famous dinners of all time. He went to a place called the French Laundry in Napa, an exclusive, some might say elitist restaurant. He did so with lobbyists. He didn't wear a mask, and he wasn't socially distanced. At the very time, he was urging Californians to stay home, wear masks, and socially distance. Many voters here have told us that act of hypocrisy drove them to sign the petition to bring us to where we are now, where he faces a potential recall.
1: Yeah, as the kids say, that was not a good look for the governor. The optics were really bad. Is that what the kids say, Gail King? Is that what the kids say? Now again, let's let's contrast that again with Good Morning America. Ready? How their take on it. Go ahead. TJ,
4: good morning. At first, this recall seemed like a sideshow. Side Indeed, show. There are 46 candidates vying for Newsom's job, including one who has been campaigning alongside a real live Kodiak bear. It's supposed but to a dead the one? Summer, the Stuffed bear? Real because that's what the polls showed. And so the Democrats have been spending big on ads and calling in the cavalry. This morning California Governor Gavin Newsom making the case that Tuesday's recall election isn't just do or die for him. This election
0: is a matter of life and death the <laughs> the on the ballot.
4: <laughs> the fight of his so political dramatic life, this guy Newsom calling in so the Democrats dramatic. heaviest hitters. Hello Californians.
1: Yeah. So that's it. That's that's the difference right there between how they approach it. So good for Major Garrett for pointing out the reason why this recall started versus uh, the the ABC news. Good morning, America, ABC, Disney, China, George Stephanopoulos, the unbiased journalist, his network saying that it was a sideshow because some dudes walking around with a Kodiak bear. How about the sideshow is your governor who basically destroyed the state's economy with some of the strictest, harshest lockdowns in the world and then violated and broke his own lockdowns, his own rules. How about that? How about the fact that restaurants were put out of business? Restaurant tours, workers, waiters, servers, dishwashers, and this guys at the French Laundry. And that dinner cost twenty six thousand dollars. That dinner that he was at. How about how about how about pointing to that stuff? Oh, Jay, do you remember that 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 I mentioned to you at the start of this podcast today? That Blinken zoomed it in. He didn't go in front of Congress today. He zoomed it in. Well, somebody, Representative Scott Perry, asked him about that today. (laughs) This is good. Good. I'm glad somebody asked Blinken about this. Uh, Take a listen to this.
4: Thank you. The gentleman's time has expired. I now recognize Representative Scott Perry of Pennsylvania for five minutes.
0: Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Mr. Blinken, assuming it's not classified, can you tell us where you are today? Uh, Yes, I'm uh, at the State Department. Oh, couldn't couldn't be bothered to come down here and see Congress. All right. That's great. Uh, hey, my this, sir. Excuse me, sir. My understanding is the, that the House is not in session. And that's why the I, session I'm, is. I'm busy. right here, secretary. So is the chairman. So is a ranking member. We're Mr. Chairman, in. Uh, we'll we're correct here. Me, Mr. Make chairman, me, correct.
1: <laughs> you can't come down and hang out with us in person, huh? You can't take a cab down to Congress. Well, listen, I had to do a couple funerals today, so you have to understand. I'm telling you, Blinken looks like he's a mortuary guy. It's like a, like a, he's, his suits are too big for him or something, and he's got this look in his eyes. Like any minute now, he's going to go up to your family and be like, what a shame. He was so young. That's, that's the, the look of it is, is, is true. Uh, do you remember the phone call between President Biden and the president of Afghanistan? It happened in the summer. And in that transcript, President Biden told the president of Afghanistan, look, I need you to change the perception in the world. You remember that change the perception that the Taliban's winning to wit, the president of Afghanistan said, Mr. President, with all due respect, we need planes. We need an air force here. We need your help. Can you do something to help us? And Biden did nothing. This was in July. The Taliban at that point were going city by city in Afghanistan and Biden did nothing. Well, Blinken was asked about that today, if they are, in fact, negotiate, if, in fact, the transcript is untrue, because that's essentially what the White House said. And Blinken said, well, I'm obviously not going to comment on leaked transcripts. Same time, he bashed it, too. He bashed whoever would leak this transcript of this conversation with the president. So he never actually said that it was not true. He just bashed the fact that somebody leaked it. Biden was also, I mean, Blinken was also asked about Pakistan. Remember, I've told you a lot lately that Pakistan is not our friend. Pakistan has harbored terrorists. They harbored bin Laden. They harbored al, they've, they've harbored Al-Qaeda. The Akani Network, which is now in charge of the Taliban, the Akani Network has been buddies with Pakistan the whole time, and they've been operating out of Pakistan. So Blinken was asked about Pakistan, why the U.S. kept subsidizing its military as it supported the Taliban and the Akani Network. Do you know what Blinken said? He said, there's a long history there. We should all look at it together. You think they will? You think they will? You think they'll look at it together? You think that they will actually look at that? You think they'll look at Saudi Arabia and their role in 9-11? You think so? Blinkett was also asked about China and the fact that China now is eyeing up the Taliban and they want to be besties. Taliban said China is our strongest ally right now. Lincoln said there is nothing China would have liked more than for us to remain bogged down in Afghanistan. <laughs> now, let me just make one point, and that is this. We weren't bogged down in Afghanistan. We were in Afghanistan. We weren't bogged down. And now that we're out, China is loving the fact that the Taliban is turning to them. And China loves the fact that we basically had a tuck tail and run to get out of there because the withdrawal was such a failure. Such a failure. So I think China's loving the abject humiliation that America suffered with the Biden administration and calling the shots here and all this. I really do. I think China was very happy about this. And they used it for propaganda purposes. They used it to tell the Taiwanese, they said to Taiwan, listen, don't count on America. You can't trust them. The Afghani people learned the hard way. And now you're going to learn the hard way too. What a shame of what the United States are are standing in the world and how it's fallen, right? How much it's fallen because of this president and what this president has done in the last few months. It is amazing to me how much standing in the world we have lost because of Joe Biden's presidency. And our allies were caught off guard by all this. You know that, right? Our allies were caught off guard by all this. How come Biden didn't coordinate with our allies? One Democrat uh, representative asked that question today. Of Blinken. Take a listen to this.
0: Speak to at a time when democratic values are under are at at, uh, are being threatened and at risk in so many places around the world. If you could also speak to the importance of that transatlantic relationship and how to reassure those allies of ours uh, who have raised concerns about how we went about pulling out of Afghanistan and about failing to coordinate with them as we did. Yeah, thank you. Um, A couple of things. First, You're
1: so right. Let me just say, his question is right, but he's being politically correct. Our allies are furious at us with how we left Afghanistan. They're furious at the fact that the Taliban is now in charge. They are furious that we did not coordinate with them. We did none of those things. We did not handle this right, and our allies are furious. They are, and they have every right to be, by the way. Oh, by the way, legal uh, NFL betting has uh, hit an all-time high. You bet on the games? A lot of that now because they have the legalized sports betting, bringing in tons of money for governments around the country. You notice how it's still ne- never enough for government? They br- I mean, literally, a billions and billions of new tax revenue coming in, and it's still not enough for Democrats and cities and states that are reaping in all this money. It never is, is it? It never is. It's never enough money for all these governments. Really is amazing to me. All right, uh, listen, thanks for hanging out with me this afternoon. I brought you up to speed on the major question of the day today the chaos in Afghanistan and the Secretary of State trying and not doing a very good job of it, of trying to explain why this was, in fact, a success. I hope you enjoyed the uh, podcast, and uh, I will be back with you tomorrow to do the podcast again because you know what? I'm enjoying it, that's for sure, and I hope you are too. You know the the thing? Not you. Not you. Not, no, that's the open. I want to do the closing. Here Let's we go. Nope, that's not that either. What is that? What's, huh? Actually, I should kind of like this. Oh, that's, oh, I know what that is. Here, here we go. There we go. There's my. You like that? It's always fun to do a live show, right? Even though this isn't live. But I'm still acting like it is. Have a great day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thank you.